Didn't matter. Didn't mean anything. When I was broke, I would go out and rob some more. We ran everything. We paid off cops. We paid off lawyers. We paid off judges. Everybody had their hands out. Everything was for the taking. And now it's all over. And that's the hardest part. And today everything is different. There's no action. I have to wait around like everyone else. Can't even get decent food. Right after I got here, I ordered some spaghetti with marinara sauce and I got egg noodles and ketchup. I'm an average nobody. Get to live the rest of my life like a schnook. Welcome to part two of our Goodfellas episode. But before we go into real talk, it's time for PP, our patron pitch. That's where we let our patrons know what they can expect on their exclusive patron feed. And also we let non-patrons know what they're missing out on. Alex, the patron takeover is imminent. Uh, it's going to start in March, if, I, if I'm doing the math correctly. And uh, there's a lot of movies that we need to figure out how to schedule. The patron picks from all tiers have been coming fast at us. And uh, uh, just going to throw a few titles at you so you can start preparing mentally. Uh, we have uh, The Mutations, a 1975 creature feature, I think, that's at 35% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, we have a Chuck Norris movie called Invasion USA at 19% on Rotten Tomatoes. All right. On the higher side, we have The Princess Bride at 97%. Have you seen The Princess Bride before? You have to have mm-hmm. seen it, right? Yeah. You, you, you grew yeah. up here. And then uh, we have the original Dawn of the Dead. Not the, the one from visionary filmmaker Zack Snyder, but the 78 one at 93%, which I'm sure you've seen because you're a horror person. I haven't. The George Romero one? Yeah, I think it's yeah. is Romero, yeah. Uh, and so on and so on. The list uh, keeps going. So... Uh, that starts next month. We'll start peppering those in uh, along with, you know, a pick or two from from us. Uh, so be ready for that, everybody. That's not just for patrons. That's for everybody to enjoy because it'll be on the main feed. Uh, now, as far as the patron feed itself, as usual now, we'll start with the, the ground floor, the Travolti's tier. Uh, now, that tier gets the cutting room floor stuff. Alex... Our, our recording for the Goodfellas episode was close to an hour 40, I think. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot left on the cutting room floor. I mean, there was something. What were we talking about that you said, yeah, this is just for patrons? Uh, was it a Night video? in the City. Night in the City, yes. Yeah. Uh, somehow our conversation about Maury turned to conversation about Night in the City. So uh, you'll hear about that if you're on the patron feed. Uh, also, this month, our patron-exclusive episode is Virata Parvam, uh, an Indian movie on Netflix Picked by patron Brandon Curtis, uh, which is our our knowledge of Indian cinema keeps expanding. Mm-hmm. I guess hopefully this is uh, more Singham and less Suryavanshi. I'd be fine with that. Yeah. Now, if you're on the next tier up, Winonis and any tier that follows, uh, you also get our pre-recording notes and you also get our QVRs. This month we're getting QVRs picked by patron Ryan. Uh, spit and polishes Ryan. He's giving you the movie Chopper. Uh, that is from Andrew Dominic, who's uh, well, he's not nominated for an Oscar this year, but uh, Anna de Armas, the actress of his latest movie, the main actress of his latest movie, is. 
I don't know. It's, it's thematically relevant, I think. Uh, and I am getting the movie The Handmaiden, which I've been meaning to watch for a long time. It's pretty well-reviewed movie, but I've never gotten around to it, mainly because it's really long. But of course, on the heels of having watched the three-hour master for uh, a previous QVR, I guess The Handmaiden will be a much easier watch. So, uh, you excited about watching Chopper, Alex? Is that a blind spot? Yeah, it is. It's uh, you know, Eric Bon is kind of batting 500 with me, so I'm <laughs> looking forward to adding something that I was telling you before we recorded that was like, uh, I remember in college people talking about that movie, and I've just for whatever reason never gotten around to seeing it, so I'm looking forward to it. I just hope you can you come back and report that there's a scene where Bonna goes, Chop everything, <laughs> fingers crossed. <laughs> We can only hope. Uh, and then, of course, we have Contrarians After Hours. That's the spin-off show where we tell you about other things that we're watching, listening to, thinking about, plotting. Alex, what are you bringing to Contrarians After Hours? And I'll be completely honest with listeners. I'm asking you as if I don't know, but I, I really do know because we recorded this one already. We did, yeah. And I discussed uh, the Netflix... Several years old, so it's new to me, though. Crime documentary, Amanda Knox, about Amanda Knox and the murder she was arrested for in Italy many moons ago, about 15 years ago. And then also I will be discussing the Lonely Island film Pop Star, Never Stop, Never Stoppin', starring Andy Samberg, again, a movie that's several years old, but uh, I just came across recently and I'm enjoyed it to a certain extent as you know and i i do my due diligence in talking up hot rod as well which i'm a big fan of so those are the two movies i recently watched and wanted to discuss with you further julio so patrons uh if you've seen either of those and have thoughts about them uh be sure to check it out and see if our thoughts match up true crime and andy samberg that's how they pitched brooklyn 99 originally and then they decided to make it a comedy <laughs> uh, on my end i will be bringing the movie barbarian uh, horror movie from last year that I watched as part of my homework for uh, The Golden Peace, the, the celebration of cinema that's coming up soon. I, I got to fill out my ballot, and uh, I'm really lacking on the horror category. I need to uh, just catch up on those. So, Barbarian, uh, I'll tell you about it. You know, horror and me, we don't really mix very well most of the time, but uh, maybe Barbarian is different. And then also kind of like to take the edge of that I'm talking about a movie that's a little older, and I'm just going to tell you that it stars Bradley Cooper, and it's about him being uh, one of those famous, super talented chefs that, that have a really bad temper. It's called Burnt, and uh, I can't wait to tell you how ridiculous it is. I'll, you can all know ahead of time, I didn't care for it, but it's it's a very entertaining watch anyway. So, Barbarian, Burnt, Amanda Knox, and Popstar, Never Stop, Never Stopping. That is your After Hours medley uh, on our exclusive patron feed. And if you want access to it, all you have to do is check out our patron page, patreon.com slash contrarianprime. Look at the tiers, see if you'd like to join the Contrarian Supplements, like our newest patron, uh, and I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, uh, Sashin Sapkoda. Sashin, welcome to the family. Uh, if I mispronounced your name, uh, let us know, and I'll give it another shot next episode. Alex, say hi to our new patron. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. It's uh, greatly appreciated. 
And if you'd like to become a patron as well, you can see it's fairly easy. We love all of our current patrons. As I like to say, we're always taking applications for new ones. $1, $3, $5, and $10 are respective tiers. Four quarters, you know, some pocket change will get you on the ground floor to take a look around and see what it is you like there. Uh, check it out. It goes all the way back to our first bonus episode when we tackled Blue is the Warmest Color, which was a, a good recording session, a good episode, a good place for us to start there. And uh, we've had many bonus episodes and many mega series along the way. Uh, coming soon, we have another mini series that's going to be a patron exclusive. More on that to come uh, in the near future. Uh, but Thank you to our, our new patron, and just think of that. You could get your name called out on here. I mean, that's that's an endorphins rush in and of itself, you know? Get an adrenaline dump just from that. So uh, check it out, and once more to all of our existing patrons. Bless y'all. We love y'all dearly. Now, Alex, uh, take the gun, leave the cannoli, and wait, no, that's a different mobster movie, and much an inferior mobster movie. Alex, why don't you go get your shine box, and let's go to real talk. Yeah, that that works. That's that works better. That will get you shot. Now go home and get your fucking shine box. Motherfucking mother, you, come you come fucking. I mean, yeah, not necessarily shot. It'll get you fucking stabbed and uh, stomped on, stomped. Yeah, beaten in the face. I think he. No, that's uh, Leota beats up the neighbor with his the handle of the gun. Yes, just like breaks his nose with it. Yeah, man. Goodfellas. I feel like we always joked about doing this. Long time coming. It's a hell of a movie. I mean, it's no secret you're listening to two massive Martin Scorsese fans in this podcast. Um, He's not infallible, as we both make it clearly known repeatedly that we did not care for Wolf of Wall Street. Or for Uh, his opinions uh, regarding the MCU. Well, that's half of us. Um, (laughs) But he, uh, Nicholas Pileggi, Pileggi? took his book wise guy and turned it into one of the most celebrated American films ever lists all across the board of like the greatest movies ever made. You're going to see this one on there. As I mentioned, the first half of the library of Congress uh, selected it for preservation in the national film registry got nominated for six Oscars. We'll get to the, how that played out here in just a moment. Um, but I, I mean, it's important up front to make no bones about it. Julio, this is, historically speaking and quality wise is right at the top of the list of movies we've done. And the, you know, what are we at? 150 closing in on that number, at least for, that's official just, episodes. That, that's just numeric episodes. Yeah. That's not including like all the other shit we did. So we're probably like close to 175, maybe even like 200. 200 I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, would you disagree? No, I, I do not. Uh, anybody who's even glanced at my, at my letterbox profile, we'll see that you know how you can put your your top four movies there. Uh, uh-huh. Goodfellas is one of them on my profile, and uh, if you if you look at my top one hundred movies, I have Goodfellas at number thirteen. My God, uh, I mean, it kind of feels actually. I feel bad that it's not in the top ten, <laughs> but that's still a movie I I hold in very very high regard, as you should. I had to like just kind of cutting to a spoiler here, grading it on like the Scorsese curve is different than grading other movies. Right. You know, it's I, I his that's that's what I value. That's how that's how much I value him is that his movies belong in their own like stratosphere of 
you know themselves. But yeah, ninety six percent of Rotten Tomatoes. I feel we should go ahead and we did our part in trying to fulfill our gimmick and fucking somehow talk shit about Goodfellas in the first portion. But you know what that Rotten Tomato score means is that there's four percent of those critics that contribute to the tomato meter that genuinely don't care for Goodfellas. So what were you able to find? What were their what were their gripes? What were their problems? Yeah, as far as I can tell, these guys don't have podcasts and are not pretending to be negative. They're <laughs> actually negative. Um, this are Ralph Novak from People Magazine, who says, While Scorsese generates vivid images, he covered this ground in the superb mean streets in 1973. Here, there's nothing to uh. learn, nobody to sympathize with. I've seen mean streets a couple of times. Alex, have you seen it? No, blind spot. I need to fill. But to, to that- call it a repeat is exaggerating a lot. Yeah, and that's that's not surprising to hear that one of the complaints is that it wasn't like his first movie that not that many people have seen. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Pulp Fiction's nothing like Reservoir Dogs. Fuck Pulp Fiction. There you go. Christopher Knoll from FilmCritic.com says, compared to less nitpicky gangster fare, Goodfellas still falters. What is he comparing Goodfellas to? <laughs> mean Streets? Yeah, I don't have any clue what that could be about. Man, Mean Streets is not even about gangsters. It's just, they're just, uh, like, I guess they're criminals, but not even, you know, yeah. it's not the mob. They're just uh, ragamuffins. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else. Is he is he comparing to The Godfather? Is this guy alluding to Godfather without saying it? Come on. I, that would probably be what I guess, yeah. Come on, Christopher. You can do better than that. Uh, next, Adam Mars-Jones from The Independent UK says, Robert De Niro is reliably dynamic and Joe Pesci's portrait of a gangster with a sense of humor is hideously memorable. But there's no doubt that Goodfellas fights a losing battle against numbness. What? <laughs> Who can feel numb while watching Goodfellas? <laughs> I don't understand. Uh, we're going to close with uh, an actual letterbox review because I was... Uh, the other... Negative quotes are kind of all riffing on the same thing, which is like, oh, the violence or, oh, the just the, the reprehensible characters. Uh, now, this is from somebody who rewatched the movie on June 6, 2022. And, uh, you know, this person has to be considerably younger than you and I and most people that love Goodfellas. <laughs> uh, this is from Futile Devices. And they say... This was like hearing a granddad's favorite songs on repeat because he misses the good old days when he when he could manhandle and say slurs. My worst nightmare. Jesus. Were we supposed to tell all these old as shit Italian men apart? LOL. You're asking for way too much, mate. Yes, a couple of scenes are visibly well-directed, but this honestly looks so dull and the makeup was terrible. The voiceover is annoying too because it rips away all suspense. I hate films that give me nothing or no one to care for. Why should I care if you're just waiting for inevitable, predictable downfall of all these bastards it's so boring i guess if you have an interest in this lifestyle but i don't i never will lol so i hate it fight me for not liking sociopathic alpha male racist pieces of shit yeah just because the story stole doesn't mean it's glamorizing it blah 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 i'm aware my frontal lobe is formed guess what i still hate it shrug emoji i prefer scorsese's earlier more subtle films that let you fill in the gaps instead of the showy ones he's been doing since he made this i guess if people gravitate to it you're gonna make more like that but at what cost me hate watching sure why not (laughs) jesus Okay, future devices, tell us how you really feel. I guarantee his favorite movie is Midsummer. <laughs> Aaron Peters, is that Dahmer? Is that that guy's name? Uh, 
Evan Peters. Evan Peters, yeah. His character on The Office. I love film. My two favorites are Citizen Kane and the Boondock Saints. Like that's <laughs> someone who would say that wrote that review. Uh, all right. Well, those are the quotes. Uh, I disagree with pretty much everything that they said, especially that last one. But uh, I mean, you know, it's it's like your opinion, man. Yeah, I'm not gonna really pay any mind to that. That's written by someone who's like 21. <laughs> they haven't lived. And- well, I take that back. That's written. I'm sorry to be like, it's written by someone who's young who doesn't know what they're talking about, but it feels like it's written by someone who's young and doesn't know what they're talking about. <laughs> I don't think I don't think the shrug emoji helped. Henry. What? No, Henry boy, the pipes, the pipes are calling. Hey, sweetheart, half Mick, half Giddy. I'll sing one of the Italian accents. And down the glen. There's a lot of... Uh, criticisms that can be lobbed at uh, at this movie and you know and actually that that little letterbox piece kind of like summarizes them and like i said i disagree with each of them but i've heard him you know from other people for in discussions about the movie and you know like just the, the standard stuff is oh well it it glorifies crime which it doesn't and uh it relies heavily on voiceover and therefore that's a bad thing like our friend nick haskins from uh live stream for the cure he he hates voiceovers in general and uh his big gripe with goodfellas was the voiceover and i just remember shaking my head i mean like nick i love you but you're missing the point of the voiceover <laughs> uh and then you know the idea that it's a problem if you don't have anybody to root for uh which again i did I don't think that that's necessary for you to enjoy the ride. But I guess let's start there. Alex, you're, when you're watching this movie, I mean, how, how do you feel in relation to to Henry? Are you are you waiting for him to fall, like relishing the moment when he's going to, it's finally going to blow up in his face? Or are you rooting for him and hoping that he gets out of it? I don't really feel either way. My immediate like response, at least in a Scorsese vein, would be like, that's... Uh, Wolf of Wall Street. There's no one to root for in that movie. Yeah, but and that I movie don't... sucks. <laughs> well, that's true. But <laughs> my response would be that, like, I don't like the Jonah Hill and Leo characters. I actively dislike. There, there's no one I like in that movie. There's a gigantic difference between there's no good guy and there's no one to root for, and there being no likable characters. That's you know, good time. Connie's a scumbag, but like the characters really like you get invested in it because he keeps succeeding, like failing upwards, you know, and you want to see where he goes, that type of thing. And this, yeah, I mean, it's not cool to like kill people and do dangerous amounts of coke and put your children's lives in danger and stuff like that. But these characters are very engaging and interesting and like what's going to happen to him. So I've never, you know, in what I consider more educated years of like analyzing movies, especially with you. I've never found that there's no one to cheer for. There's no good guy to be a valid criticism of a movie. I think it rests more on, are these characters interesting and likable? But there do are I times, want to see what happens to them? Right. But, but there are times, not in this movie, at least not for me, but I can see how there are times when 
characters can just be too much and when you have characters movies populated by characters that are just despicable then it can be really hard to stick with the movie because you at some point you just stop caring right i i don't think that's the case with goodfellas even though these are terrible people but it's just that the actors i think they're very charismatic you have you know you come to, with an attachment to like de niro and pesci uh and leota of course but uh you know, it's hard for me to watch Goodfellas without seeing them, just enjoying them for for the cast. You know, they they, they have they've won me over even before I start watching the movie because I already you know like the the characters. Now, somebody that's younger and doesn't have any connection to De Niro, Pesci, Leota, Sorvino, anybody. You know, you're just watching them as you kind of like coming into this movie blank. Uh, maybe their actions just they're just too repugnant for you to really enjoy them i think that it's still like if these guys are too much for you to enjoy a movie then there's so many movies that you're gonna be just skipping out yeah. on because yeah <laughs> um but that said I, I i guess i i was bringing it up because i think that there is something in the cast and there's something especially in leota's performance and just the the energy he brings to the role of henry that makes you not root for him but i definitely you know, scene to scene, I want to see... It's what you're saying. You know, you're interested to see what happens next. <laughs> scene to scene, I want to see what happens with him. He's he's making me laugh. He's making me uh, worry. You know, little things like 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 with the Maury subplot, you know, I want Maury to be spared. And uh, they're all criminals, but there's something in this. The fact that the Nero wants him killed. Leora spends the entire movie trying to spare Maury and then at the end you know he fails and that's uh while I'm watching all this unfold I'm at least on my end I was just hoping oh man I hope that Maury somehow makes it but he doesn't (laughs) you know and and those little stories I think they play out all throughout the movie and I'm never you know I never condone the the lifestyle and I never wish them success in in their criminal enterprises but I do have stakes, you know, in what happens scene by scene. Like, for example, the the, the scene where uh, it's heavily implied that De Niro is setting up uh, Karen to get killed. You know what I'm talking about? When he's like, yeah, go just turn yeah. the corner. The dress is right there, right there. Uh, I don't want Karen to get killed, you know, when that's happening. <laughs> it's not that, oh, you know, the fact that she's married to Leota and that everything, all the bad things they're doing with drugs and whatever, doesn't keep me from actually having an investment in how I want a certain scene to play out. Same thing, you know, I don't want Henry to get killed by by De Niro later in the movie. And there's a part of me that feels bad when he ends up turning in Paul Sorvino. <laughs> do, do you have those micro-reactions throughout the movie? <laughs> like, the, Or do you really, like, very coldly assess the whole thing? It was like, you know what? It was an entertaining ride, but in the end, I... As oh, far no, as- of course, yeah. It's the... I don't know. Sopranos, I keep, I've been watching The Sopranos. And so, like, it's obviously very fresh in my mind when I see, you know, Paulie and Christopher and Jennifer in there. And I, I kept blanking on the guy's name. David Chase was the creator of it. Mm-hmm. And I kept blanking in the first portion. But that's a little different in that, like, that show's so well written. And obviously, the narrative and, like, the story it's telling is different than what Goodfellas is telling. But I, I think you could make the argument of, like, there is like sympathy in some of the characters in that show more so than what we have here. But no, I definitely, yeah, have the reactions like the, um, you know, 
the shit you can't quantify that makes a good actor. Paul Sorvino's face when Leota points to him in court mm-hmm. is like the it's betrayed. It's how fucking dare you, but it's also I have to maintain a stone face so that like, you know, I'm not like giving myself up here, you know, that type of thing. Yep. And it's it's just outstanding. It's excellent. And uh I forgot how good he is in this movie. And that's kind of funny because I thought he was the easiest one to poke fun at because traditionally in these movies, you know, the mob boss will rip your eye out or, you know, have someone kill you right away. And he's he's more forgiving and um more um a human than we're typically used to in those type of characters and so i really uh appreciated that like differentiation or that like you know this is obviously based on a true story in a book but it at least in this movie we got to see something a little bit different that we're not used to seeing at least up until that point in time and what a great actor to have do it too a a big you know burly bear of a man that also I mean, we saw from real life in years later, like that just amazing clip of him breaking down crying when Mira Sorvino won an Oscar. You know, mm-hmm. it's a he's he's a big tender bear, that type of thing. So I think his performance in particularly ages tremendously. Yeah, he's uh, he's fantastic. And uh, yes, I I think I guess it's, it's easy to actually not side with Polly, but uh feel some sympathy because he has out of the four main characters five you gotta count Karen there you know but he's the the closest to having a code and uh I think that that makes him you know it's it's easier to just kind of like okay if you're gonna talk about rooting for someone you know I was overall maybe rooting for Polly to get his house in order and yeah. you know get Leota back in line fix their marriage kick uh Pesci to the curb kick the Nero to the curb even, you know. I guess it's funny because once you start thinking along those lines, you're like, uh, yeah, you're also maybe hoping for Henry to escape the influence of Pesci and De Niro, even as much as entertaining as they are together. Because, of course, the the best parts of the movie is when the three of them are together. But I also see it as, I, as I'm watching the movie, I'm experiencing it, and I'm thinking, man, I hope that this time he escapes. <laughs> I hope this time he doesn't start doing drugs because that really that's what fucks him up. Uh, I hope he doesn't cheat on Karen. Answer me! I'm gonna tell everyone who walks in this building that in two R Rossi you are nothing but a whore. Is this the superintendent? Yes, I want you to know, sir, that you have a whore living in two R. Rossi, Janice Rossi, do you hear me? Karen's great too. I, I think that the first few times I watched the uh, this movie when I was you know much younger, it was a lot easier to dismiss her character and not really appreciate what what was going on, what uh, Lorraine Bracco was doing with the performance, with her performance, and uh, uh, because it's you know out of everybody, I think she gets the least amount of screen time, and the, you know she has a couple flashy scenes, but it's very easy to just yeah. put her as uh, she's just the, the long suffering wife in a way, you know. But no, there's there's a lot going on, and uh, you know she matches Leota, and you know because she has to, otherwise she would just disappear in the movie. But it's really cool yeah. that she she doesn't from the very beginning she doesn't let him push her around, and even at you know towards the end when things are falling apart, she doesn't disappear from the story. I mean, she becomes his uh, accomplice in, in the drug trafficking and all that stuff. You know, um, I I really like her, and I really. It's been, man, at least ten years since I watched Goodfellas, and I'm much older now. So I was, it was, 
a little easier, I think, to just enjoy that performance and really appreciate the the part of the puzzle that is Karen. Because, you know, the Nero Pesci, Leora, they're just so much easier to <laughs> to enjoy, to just give kudos to, because they're, they're there all the time and they have a lot of memorable moments and all that stuff. Do you have a, do you have a favorite out of the three? It's probably got to be Ray Liotta, because this is like, this is his movie, man. This is like, it, it, taking Casino out of the equation, uh, there's other like De Niro and Pesci performances that I think of, you know, like Copland for De Niro and... Uh, Home Alone for it, Pesci? It, I was about to say, even something like Home Alone for Pesci, you know, that's a, ain't nothing wrong with that. Eight heads in a duffel bag? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Ray Liotta, I, that, I was unfair to Liotta because he's in Copland too and he's really good in that as well. That's a, a very underrated movie, but that's not what we're here to discuss. But like Pesci, uh, yeah, what an interesting career that guy had. My cousin Vinny, that's what I was trying to think of and I couldn't get to my head. Um, he's in Raging Bull also, right? Yes, he's uh, De Niro's brother in Raging Bull. Yeah. So I think with Liotta, this, Copland, and then... <laughs> Uh, I'd probably say, uh, I know he wouldn't, but observe and report are like the, the ones that come to mind for me with him. Come on, man. Uh, he's been in the contrarians before with marriage story. He's also in wild hogs. Oh God, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> he is, Peaks he is valleys. good in marriage, marriage story. One of the few shining lights of that. And he's also good in, um, I got his shit pulled up here. He's fine in Smoking Aces, and then also he's in uh, Place Beyond the Pines, which mm-hmm. I think you and I like like that movie more than most people on the planet. So, <laughs> yeah. But Leota's just on a different level that you know. All due respect to him, I don't, in my opinion, ever really hit again. Like his devolving, and him by the end of the movie, uh, obviously you know makeup and wardrobe play into that with, with like his eyes like are swollen and puffy and all that Coke he's doing. And just that shot of him taking the glasses off and like leaning forward into his steering wheel and looking up and the paranoia and how skittish he is. And, you know, he's in his wife beater making the, the sauce and then he throws his shirt back on. Cause he has to go that like the closing is just so frantic and he's great. And that shot, I used the, I used the gif of to respond mm-hmm. to you on Twitter. Just that shot. That's like zooming in on him and he's, <laughs> You know, he knows he's cooked, but he he's so fucked up he can't really register what's going on. It's, um, and he's the character that has that arc. Pesci and De Niro do not. Yeah, they are largely the same throughout it. Whereas, uh, I mean, you can say we follow him from being a kid up, but Leota as Leota starts it clean shaven, good looking, put together. You know the he's smooth talking and he's cool and then by the end he's just like a, a bag of shit that you know <laughs> can't true. can't stay straight like you know he he couldn't stand still for two seconds if he tried that type of thing and yes you can make an argument that in a two and a half hour movie it you know it allows itself more time to process and do something like that with a character take him to that many places and change them that radically but still words on a paper are only so much you have to have someone who pulls it off and i mean this is we said in our teaser of it last week like this is the the ray liotta vehicle and you know i'm not interested in really speaking ill of the dead and talking about what maybe led to him not becoming 
another Robert De Niro or something like that. But I will just say he was given the ball with this and three pointer, home run, touchdown, whatever fucking analogy you want to use. This guy blew it out of the water. Yeah, I I remember always thinking. Well, you're right. I mean, it's at this point that I've I haven't like done the research, and it's it would just be a speculation. But it is. I mean, it has to be brought up just because it's something that you think about when you watch Goodfellas, and that is like, why did uh, he not get another role like this? Because obviously, you come out of Goodfellas thinking this guy is going to take over the world. <laughs> it's and and he, I mean, he had mm-hmm. a career, and like you said, you listed some of the movies that you know, like him in, and you know, he he definitely is a good actor. It's not that I've seen him in other things and he was bad, and I'm like, somehow he was good in Goodfellas. It's like, no, he was amazing, Goodfellas, and then he was good in everything else that I've seen him in. Uh, it's just that somehow he was not necessarily a leading man. Uh, it, you know, I guess it just it could just be that it just doesn't happen. But I always remember being kind of like bummed, especially in The Irishman, uh, that Scorsese wouldn't like call him for that because he hadn't passed by then, right? He's he passed like what just last year. Yeah, it's really recent because he's in that Cocaine Bear movie that's coming out. Oh, he is. Holy shit! Yeah, May twenty sixth of last year, he passed in the Dominican Republic. Okay, because I. Uh... I remember thinking, you know, it would have been so perfect. I mean, everybody comes back for The Irishman. And it, it makes sense because of the type of movie it is. You know, it's just a, a celebration of... Not a celebration, it sounds... But, you know, it's Scorsese bringing the gang back together one last time. And, uh, man, it would yeah. have been so easy, I would think, to just give Leota, like, a small part there, you know? So anytime that I, I can feel his absence in certain projects that I would think he would have been part of just based on the strength of his performance in Goodfellas. So that's puzzling, I guess, kind of a bummer as well. But he, you're right. I mean, he nailed it. And, and he has that thing where you just, he just keeps you glued to the screen. He, he's very charismatic for somebody that's so dangerous. I love that he is like, he's not a good person. I mean, he's an asshole. Uh, I think that it helps that Pesci is a monster. So he looks so much better when he's standing next to Pesci, <laughs> but you can tell he cares a little bit for people. Uh, but at the same time, he also finds it really funny when Pesci breaks a bottle on uh, the head of the bartender or the, the owner of the restaurant. And, uh, he's trying to help Maury not to get killed by Jimmy, but he also laughs really hard when Jimmy's trying to strangle uh, Maury. So he has that, I think he plays that character of the the little kid that was fascinated by gangsters and then grows up to be a gangster. And he still has that childlike admiration for the lifestyle. I mean, that he, he nails it. So he's, he's great. I, I don't know. I mean, I asked you the question as if I had an answer and I don't as far as who my favorite is. Uh, I mean, I know it's not Pesci, so it's really between uh, De Niro and Leota. Uh, I just love how cool De Niro is. <laughs> yeah. uh, in this movie, he is... Uh, he walks into the movie already with a legend hanging over him, and then uh, he just lives up to that legend throughout the, throughout the story. And I always think that he is in the movie more, and he is in the movie plenty. But kind of like I joked in Contreras Corner, it feels like there are chunks of the movie where he's not, uh, and then it surprises me that because to me it's it's a really other vehicle with uh, De Niro and Pesci there the entire time. But that's not really true, especially you know De Niro. Like I said, he he kind of goes away because he's doing his own thing. He just comes in to be cool and then sets some things in motion and he leaves. 
But every time he comes in, man, I just, I love how he plays little moments. Uh, like when, uh, right before Pesci kills Spider, and, uh, you know, Spider tells him, why don't you go fuck yourself, Tommy? And then everybody, all the gangsters react, and then Nero goes, what is the world coming to? Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of like a background throwaway line, because he's not, you know, forefront. The forefront is, you know, Pesci, that's where our attention is. And, uh, but but Daniel is just so good there, and then of course his reaction after uh, Pesci kills the kid and he gets mad and berates him, and it's just it's pitch perfect. His that you know his well he's in a really good mood when they are celebrating that the the Tommy's gonna be made, and he's just hugging Ray Liotta and kissing him. Oh, you got the okay. You believe that this little kid bastard? You believe that? Huh? Huh? It's gonna get made. We're gonna work for this guy one day. He's gonna be a boy. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny because there are uh, lots of De Niro vehicles. Like, unlike Ray Liotta, like he's, he has a career of leading movies. He doesn't lead this one, but you can feel him no. the entire time. And he's uh, he's great in it. You know, I like him better here than I do in uh, Raging Bull or Mean Streets and, you know, any number of other Scorsese movies even. But... I don't know. I mean, I guess I want to say De Niro just because, you know, overall, he's also one of my favorite actors. If I'm fair, it should be Leota. I, I mean, it doesn't matter. And like I said, I asked you the question not having an answer. My answer, I'm going to cheat. My answer is Leota and De Niro. And Pesci is great. I just, he, his character gets on my nerves, like, in, in, in a good way. Like, gets me anxious because he's so unpredictable and wild. I would agree with that. But I'll tell you, the, the real star of um, Goodfellas is... Not of these people. It's not Paul Servino or Lorraine Bracco, Sam Jackson, Vincent Gallo. The real star, and I felt it every minute this time, is Marty Scorsese. I, dude, I was so pumped watching this movie, and I think that I always am. But there is just something about seeing a, a filmmaker giving it his all, like every scene. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. With most other people, I would say, man, he's trying too hard. But in this one, it's just, no, he's just doing it because that's how it has to be done. And it's it's a Marty Scorsese movie. And then I, was, I told you, I was watching some uh, behind the scenes featurettes from the DVD and you get to see him directing, you know, and he's having a good time on top of everything. <laughs> he's not being pretentious or, you know, super tense on set. Like, you see, obviously he's taking it seriously, but he's also you know, laughing and relaxing. And, and then you have the actors coming in and telling you what it's like working with him. And my little note here just says filmmaking with a capital F because it was just, it's it's really hard not to be in awe of the of the filmmaking. And I think that that carries me through the movie on an extra level. Like, I understand. Not everybody experiences it like that. I think that, you know, most people don't think about it. What you're describing is like eerily similar to the, the emotions I had on my most recent rewatch of the departed. I like when I watched that the last time, it was a lot of what you're mm-hmm. saying. I'm just like, Jesus Christ, man, like how the hell can someone do this? And that's also a movie that a little bit different. This, the Leota performance here is like kind of unique to Scorsese's lineup, but the departed is also similar. in that it's just like all these people that came in with like a preceding legend and still he finds ways to like, get use out of them that no one else is able to. And that's kind of like what happens here. It's 
it's Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro being mobsters, and yet it's still like it feels different. It's a gift. That's why Marty's Marty, man. Um, and I think that's a, a decent segue to one of the more frustrating portions of this, where we go back to the <laughs> 1991 Academy Awards. It was March 25th, 1991, at the Shrine Auditorium in L.A. Early 90s, Julio, tell me who's hosting. It, it, there's a good chance you'll guess, and it'll be right. Yeah, it has to be Billy Crystal. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> um, all right, so Goodfellas was nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Supporting Actor, Best Supporting Actress, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Film Editing. It won one. Pesci. Pesci. If that's if that's the one Oscar, you know, if it was only going to win one Oscar, is that the one that uh, you would have given it? Okay, so this happens all the time. The these movies come along that the Academy is obsessed with, and you know is favored to kind of win, and then you know predictably does win that really don't stand the test of time. And I like Kevin Costner, but I do not think Dances with Wolves is a movie that has stood the test of time in the way Goodfellas has. Would you agree with that? Well, uh, I do with the caveat that I still haven't seen Dances with Wolves. I'm sorry, Ben. Oh. He he sent it to me on Blu-ray as part of my prize for winning the Filmbusters Trivia Contest. <laughs> and uh, it's a long movie, so I need to, you know, sit down and, and drink it in. But when people Jesus. tell me... <laughs> I forgot that movie made $425 million. It was a big hit. I remember my parents watched it and my dad. Let know, me take that back. I didn't it. forget that. I didn't know it made that much. I remember <laughs> it was a big hit. I remember when we were kids, like it was one of those nights my parents got a babysitter to watch this because they had to go see this new movie that came out. They had to go see the Oscar winner or was that before it was an Oscar winner? Oh, was it that? Did they go see it in the theater or did they rent it? I'm trying to remember. But um, that and like that rarely happened because my parents, you know, would always take us to the movies. But I remember that. And Titanic was one, and the Pulp Fiction was another one where they got a babysitter because they had to go see this movie that everyone's talking about. And, you know, uh, I don't know that that person that wrote that review saying that whatever the fuck they rambled on about Goodfellas sucking, they probably would think that Dance with the Wolves was. <laughs> it doesn't. It stands, uh, you know, in line with the usual. Look, I haven't seen Dances with Wolves. I've read and heard a lot about it, so I have a pretty good idea what kind of movie it is. And so it is, as we've discussed before, it's, it seems like it was a safe pick, whereas Goodfellas was the, the dangerous, edgy pick. So I guess, in a way, we should be glad that it got a nomination, that it wasn't, like, <laughs> Well, and also, scary. like, I need to make sure it's established. I said that kind of tongue-in-cheek, the more frustrating part, because it happens all the time. This is There will be movies that aren't even nominated for Best Picture that 20 years later have a resoundingly have had a resoundingly bigger impact on culture than whatever won that year, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I hate to pick on the artist, but that's like of the modern era, that's the one you can always go to. Oh, okay, movie, but that, uh, you know, take your pick of movies that came out in 2011 that had a bigger, you know, impact than the artist. And well, I mean, that, even going it, down uh, Contrarian's history, I mean, Shakespeare in Love and Saving Private Ryan. There you uh, go. Um, the King's Speech and The Social Network. Boom. And there you go. Dances with Wolves and Goodfellas. I mean, it is kind of, there's the pattern. <laughs> Crash. Was that 05, 06 when that one? Instead that's of like, uh, Million Dollar Baby? 
Oh, fuck off. Uh, Brokeback Mountain was the... Yeah, yeah, Brokeback. Yeah. Um, okay, but you're, you're, you're avoiding the answer. If you have to give Goodfellas an Oscar, which one do you give it? I'm not avoiding shit. I'm not done talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. You're building up yeah. to, a, to a big answer. Okay, okay, well, yeah, then the answer is Scorsese for director. Oh. That's... Yeah, but, but is uh, that right. okay? Are you giving are you giving it that Oscar as somebody that's like in the Academy in 1990, or are you giving it the Oscar as somebody in 2023? Because you know my my first instinct is saying, well, but he he gets an Oscar eventually for The Departed, so maybe give it to somebody else. Yeah, no, I'm talking about like what I'm seeing in front of me right now, like uh, of this lineup that we're talking about this second. The you know. The Academy and the way the Oscars work does pay off. Like they tell, they make movies, as Vince McMahon would say. They tell stories, <laughs> and they that it what there was something tremendous to him finally winning for The Departed because The Departed was an amazing movie. Mm-hmm. You know how much it would have sucked if he like didn't win director until Wolf of Wall Street, Jesus. and then like you and me had to be like, well, he needs that Oscar, but it did have to be for this fucking movie. So, uh, or. Hugo or something like that. Um, <laughs> all right. So best picture dance with the wolves. One good fellows was nominated along with the Godfather part three ghost and awakenings. Uh, best director, Kevin Cosner won from dances with wolves. Scorsese for good fellows was nominated alongside uh, Barbette Schroeder for reversal of fortune. Stephen Fearies for the grifters and Francis Ford Coppola for the Godfather part three. Some people always forget that man. Godfather part three got nominated for a bunch of shit. Um, best Supporting Actor, Joe Pesci took home the gold for the performance of Tommy DeVito. His uh, rivals also in the running were Bruce Davidson for Longtime Companion, Graham Greene for Dance of the Wolves, Al Pacino for Dick Tracy, which always makes me laugh, uh, and then Andy Garcia for The Godfather Part 3. That's funny. Uh, Andy Garcia is playing the Joe Pesci character in The Godfather Part 3. <laughs> Best Supporting Actress went to Whoopi Goldberg for Ghost, but that was the category that Lorraine Bracco was nominated uh, alongside Annette Bening for The Grifters, Diane Ladd for Wild at Heart, and Mary McDonald for Dances with Wolves. Best Adapted Screenplay went to Dances with Wolves, uh, but Goodfellas was also nominated alongside Awakenings, The Grifters, and Reversal of Fortune. Man, this really was a year where it was just like, here's 10 movies that are going to get nominated for everything. (laughs) So... Oh, we had film editing too. I'm going to guess that went to Dances with Wolves. It did. Uh, alongside Ghost, Godfather Part 3, Goodfellas, and The Hunt for Red October. Um, yeah, man. I mean, that, that also, you know, depending on how nerdy you get in your film discussions with people, I think that sometimes drives people's uh, love of this movie is that it was kind of like the the bastard child of the award season and whatnot mm-hmm. uh, or the, the at least with the academy you know and um that's but again that's we talk about that all the time we, we can get frustrated about nominations or who they give it out to but at this point if you're paying close enough attention you should know exactly what they look for and a movie like dance with wolves you know of course that's gonna raise their eyebrows and make them you know fan themselves with oh man if we put this up for shit we'll seem really deep and cultured so <laughs> You can't give it to the movie that uh, features profanity every five minutes and uh, lots of murder and violence and drugs. 
Yeah, well, I mean, if it was like Crash and had the white savior complex, then maybe <laughs> maybe they'd pull it through with that. But So, you know, things work out the way they work out. Pesci wins for uh, Best Supporting Actor. Sadly, there, there was no Ray Liotta nomination uh, as the Best Actor category that year. Consisted of Robert De Niro for Awakenings, though. Mm-hmm. Gerard Depardieu for... Um, Serrano de Belgerac, Richard Harris for The Field, Kevin Costner for Dances with Wolves, but they all had to bow down to Mr. Jeremy Irons for his role in Reversal of Fortune. Kathy Bates won for Misery, which is a fantastic movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. She beat Julia Roberts for Pretty Woman. Owned. <laughs> Why don't you get yourself a nice girl? I get, get a yourself- nice one almost every night, ma. Yeah, but get yourself a girl so you could settle down. So... Again, Julio, I find myself struggling. I can tell you that, again, it came out, it premiered at the Venice Film Festival on September 9th, 1990, had a wider release on September 19th, 1990, budget of $25 million, as I mentioned, box office return of $47 million. Uh, but again, I, I struggle to think of things to talk about with this because I think uh, that is a high compliment we can pay because... If we usually have a lot to talk about, it's because there's some troubled backstory with the movie or the movie's really bad or really good and people didn't like it for some reason with this. It's just like, man, if you if you haven't seen Goodfellas, what are you doing? Stop what you're doing and go see it, that type of thing. And I really tried. I was trying when you were reading that review, a, a couple of those, to like try to see another perspective from it. And it's not like I'm going to refuse someone else's opinion because that's what opinions are. But it's kind of just like, it's one of those things this casino departed that that trilogy of like the scorsese you know mobster movies if you like try to say like they suck or you know there's things that are bad about them there's just not really going to be much of a conversation it's not like a dialogue i can really have because that's how highly i view them in terms of the quality and the output of it and the problem is, if someone told me it started sucking, my immediate thought would be like, all right, now they're attacking Marty, and I got to step stand up for him. <laughs> I think that we can have, I mean, not not we, but, you know, in that hypothetical, like, you can have a conversation with someone, as long as they don't go too far, you know, off the deep end, but you can have a conversation about, you know, what makes it hard. How is Goodfellas pushing your buttons to where you can't be entertained by it? Because that is, mm-hmm. you know, and, and to some people, it might be the violence. I mean, it, there are people that are just could just be really turned off by the level of violence. Uh, when we're doing I did the, forget how violent it is. It yeah. is very violent. The yeah. the Facebook preview. I read a quote. You know that that was saying that the movie could be a little too much, and and I joked about how like it's really not too much in the context of you know present day. But no, it actually is. I mean, it's it's psychologically violent and uh, and just physically violent. And I I think that that could easily put a barrier between somebody and the movie to where they couldn't really enjoy the ride like it, i don't have a problem with it so i just i strap on and i let it take me and what i was saying about the filmmaking earlier i i, I just realized i can come across as pretentious by saying like oh you know i enjoy it on that special level because of the i can appreciate the filmmaking in a way that i think the average uh, audience member doesn't but that's not you know that's great that works out for me but that doesn't mean that the person that's watching it and is not picking it apart on a filmmaking uh you know when it comes to like the way it's shot that that doesn't mean that they are missing out on it you know what i mean like i think in a way you enjoy it in a very particular way if you just don't even think about how the trick is being done (laughs) you just sit in and soak it in without 
trying to figure out like so is it okay that he used voiceover here <laughs> or is it okay that he that they're all bad guys you know you just sit down and and you just watch the beginning to end and have a great time that's cool and then if you're somebody like you or me that watches a lot of movies that eventually starts questioning why movies work the way they do then you get the pleasure of take picking it apart and and seeing how everything is put together so well and it works uh, perfectly to me it's 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 a perfect movie and i want to say as my final rebuttal to <laughs> you know those criticisms and i'm talking to you nick haskins i think the voiceover is great i think that the voiceover one adds personality to the movie adds contrast to the movie because uh, the voiceover of Ray Liotta is not the voiceover of the energetic Henry Hill that we see through most of the movie is the voiceover of the defeated Henry Hill that we're going to see at the very end. And so I love that. I love that we're hearing him tell us the story from the very end of the story. You know, it's that's where the voice is coming from. And then everything else that happens, you know, has a different energy. And, uh, and I think that there is a criticism. We've, we've done a movie with voiceover before where I know I brought this up, you know, where people tell you, well, the, the, what they say is show don't tell and the voiceover tells therefore it must be bad but that's the fun part that when it, when a voiceover is telling you something that you're also seeing happen it it means something and in this case there is a i, I think it informs so much of the personality of the movie when you're just walking down that hallway at that bar and he's just pointing out who's there, you know, and what they call them. And uh, sometimes he explains why they call them that, sometimes he doesn't. Uh, it really gives you that feeling of being part of the world in a way that not having the voiceover could probably achieve, but in a different way. I think that there's something kind of intimate about having that voiceover and just enveloping you through the entire movie. And then, don't even get me started when Karen's voiceover breaks in, and then <laughs> you mm-hmm. have a different perspective. Uh, I just, I could gush about this movie. You're right. I mean, you know... It, I don't know that it makes for a particularly uh, engrossing conversation when it's just the two of us worshiping at uh, Scorsese's altar. But I guess that's probably what I meant by like, I'm struggling to think of things to talk about because I know you and I both agree so emphatically on this as opposed to, I mean, our, our faithful listeners have heard us go hell for leather on several occasions, but this is not one. We're just kind of like, yeah, man, it's a good movie. Well, it's real good. Let's let's talk about the one thing that we might still disagree about. Are you are, are you still a, a casino let me person? First, yes, but let me first go back and uh, I don't want people to get the because there might be someone listening to this for the first time. I sounded really close minded in what I said about like. We have nothing to talk about. I think I'm still so hung up on that last review you read. If someone like led with that as like their issue with it, I think that's when I would be like, well, then we don't really have much to talk about. Um, but it's like me saying just, that Corey wasn't a good character. Exactly. <laughs> like when you like when you told me that that our Halloween ends discussion ended, you're like, I don't like Corey, and I was like. Well, this isn't going to be much of a discussion. We don't have much to talk about. It's exactly perfect example or perfect analogy. But all right. Yes. I still. What's the extreme euphemism people use about like when two things are very bad? Do you want to die by a gunshot or a knife wound? Like whatever the antithesis of that is, the exact opposite. Like when I say I like Casino better than Goodfellas, it's like. 
do you want ice cream with sprinkles or do you want ice cream with chocolate chips? I, I don't know like what a, <laughs> what an extreme I can think of is, you know. Casino is still my favorite Scorsese movie. And if we wanted to get into it and like articulate why, I could, but that doesn't mean Goodfellas isn't fantastic. Let's I probably am like Casino and then Goodfellas and Departed or like even Keel. So I'm sorry because I know that like <laughs> I don't know if you can hear my head shaking. That's just <laughs> I know part of your goal in all this was to make me see the light, you know. But it's uh, that's I, just kind of where I I sit on the matter. The real trilogy, Alex, is is uh, Goodfellas, Casino, and The Irishman. So. I think it is your duty to finally mm-hmm. watch The Irishman at some point in 2023. No, that's that's accurate. I just think of that and like the, um, I don't know the the way those are spaced out and like throughout his career, like those three movies represent very clear eras of the Scorsese, uh, his run. Oh my God, two hundred and nine minutes. <laughs> Look, Pesci, De Niro, Pacino. <laughs> <laughs> I know Ray Romano, Bobby Cannavale, <laughs> Anna Paquin. Oh, that's the other thing with Casino. It's got our boy Kevin Pollock in it, so it's got yes. that going for it. Yes, you know? it does. It's such a fun movie. No, I, I I enjoy watching Casino. I just you know. No, it is one of those that like when people bring it up, they act like it's something to be like you know Burger King or McDonald's, Coke or Pepsi. It's like uh, <laughs> no, they're two like both really great things. Like there shouldn't be this like dividing war between them. <laughs> Yeah, I, I look forward to your eventual watch of The Irishman. And I'll, I'll let you know, I will we'll rewatch Casino at some point in 2023. And uh, we'll talk about it more in depth. Hey, here he is, here he is. Oh, you broke it, Jerry. All right, man. Well, good fellas in the books. Good fellas, done fellas. Yeah, we're hitting an hour 20 here. There's going to be some heavy-duty editing on this one. Uh, so for our patrons, that means there's probably some fun stuff coming to y'all's way. Or we'll just find shit that doesn't make any sense at all and just delete it forever. But um, <laughs> What's on deck next, Julio? Coming up next, uh, patron Paul picked our next bonus episode. And we're going from a Ray Liotta vehicle to a Kevin Bacon vehicle. Death Sentence. Kevin Bacon, Garrett Hedlund, Kelly Preston, Aisha Taylor, John Goodman, Matt O'Leary, returning to the Contrarians. My God. <laughs> Sounds like we'll have a good time because this is a 20 percenter in the tomato meter. So uh, they say it's bad, but maybe one. Alex sounds pretty enthusiastic about it. So we'll be uh, pretty positive in Contrarians Corner, and then, then we'll see. We'll see what we see. All right. Well, that's up next. Going from Denzel to Diaz to Winslet, to De Niro, and why not? Let's just keep it going with Kevin Bacon, you know? He connects us all. It's true. It's the natural uh, progression here. So thank you all for our fun little um, Mount Rushmore with an asterisk that we had worked through. We we watched some movies, one of which was really, really, really fucking good. The others were movies that we watched. (laughs) Uh, What are you doing? Being John Malkovich. I had to continue the frustration for you in that. <laughs> now we we watched two great movies and then two movies that we both were kind of very confused by the end of them. <laughs> it's why we do this. Yep. But yeah, I, I'm excited about Death Sentence coming up. So, Julio, 
I believe that that does it. We're ready to get out of the joint and wrap up, right? It's time to rat on our friends and <laughs> just end this episode. <laughs> All right. So we will start off by locating our perennial plugs in the courtroom and pointing them out. There we go. <laughs> and uh, we begin by giving thanks to the festive years who provide our opening and closing tracks. They kick us off with Last Stand. Take us home with Summer of 99. Be sure to head over to thefestiveyears.com for any and all festive years needs. Our friend and fellow podcaster Hans Rothbeezer is the man behind our logo, behind the graphics on our webpage, our Patreon page, our merch page. If it's a little tomato looking himself in the mirror, that's probably Hans's handiwork. You can tell him how much you like our logo and how much you would like him to make a logo for you. Uh, if you contact him on Twitter, at Mildemonios, M-I-L-D-M-O-N-I-O-S, or you can email him, Mildemonios at Hotmail.com, or you can check his website, Mildemonios.pe. He is a podcaster. He has two podcasts, Nacion Combi, which is about Peruvian current affairs, and Marginal, which is about economy. He also writes novels, a whole bunch of them. None of them about the mob, as far as I remember. Although, I think he once told me about a vampire story that he was planning that might have had some mobster overtones. Whatever the case, he's more of the fantasy kind of writer. Uh, you can check out his work there as well. Hans, thank you for all your support. Be sure to head over to latenightgrin.com for any professional wrestling podcasting needs. Our friends over there actually joined them last night. I was on an episode where uh, we discussed the career of the famed tag team of the 21st century, the Briscoe Brothers. Sadly, Jay Briscoe uh, recently passed in a really tragic car wreck, so it was nice to get to with them and talk about their contributions to the, the wrestling industry and just kind of our personal experiences with them as fans. Uh, when we did the plug at the end of the show, I said that we were going to be recording Goodfellas and Joe, the the host and the you know the master of ceremonies over there, he asked me, um, "Do you worry that uh, someone would potentially listen to your show and just skip through the introduction like what you do?" And it's like, he's like, especially with a movie like Goodfellas, that could go horribly awry. And I was, I was like, "Yeah, that's why we're going to call it out real early in this one." Then. So, uh, for the most part, the boys over there, their output is specific to the realm of pro wrestling, but occasionally discuss movies and. Fuck, man, when I've been on there before, we'll just start talking about random shit from time to time. So, uh, But they support us. They help spread the word of our show, so we want to do the same for them. Um, and, you know, the main spreader of goodwill for the contrarians and the and the reason for our strong social media game is Ms. Zoe Perez, our social media guru, who helps uh, put together images, graphics, uh, you know, videos, whatever it takes, be it for our Facebook, facebook.com slash Contrarian Prime, YouTube, youtube.com slash at Contrarian Prime, or on Instagram at Contrarian Prime. I'll know our Twitter handles as well. Zoe is very helpful and instrumental in uh, a lot of our presence online. So Zoe, we greatly appreciate your continued effort and what you do for us. And as always, we appreciate you, the listening public, for tuning in to yet another episode of The Contrarians where we're right and you're wrong, and we will catch you next time. We're right, you're wrong, and also you're good fellas. <laughs> <laughs>